live, we're just going to stream the audio, right? Both, both. Oh, okay. Three, two, one. Roll the footage. Welcome back, everybody, to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino, and my guest today is a successful venture capitalist who has backed some of the most game-changing companies in fintech and insurtech, like Coinbase, Personal Capital, ClearCover, TrueCar, Extend, Next Insurance, and numerous other unicorns. He's here to tell us about the new venture capital firm he is launching. Welcome, everybody, Vic Pascucci. Thanks, Simon. It's great to be here. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Where are you in the world, Vic? I'm in Chicago, Illinois, mm. so just north of the city, cool. trying to find some semblance of springtime, but it's fighting us here. <laughs> but there is hope. There's hope. There's hope. <laughs> we will get sun soon. So. All right. Same here in Vienna, Austria. And uh, you are launching something cool. Tell us about right. it. So great. I'm actually really excited. Um, we're launching a new venture capital fund. Um, the fund is named is Energy Capital Ventures and kind of a divergence from my prior investing, which has been focused on insurtech and fintech. This fund will be focused more on the power and utility space. And on the surface, people are like, this is a complete divergence. What's going on? You know, you've always been kind of a fintech and surtech guy. You know, what's happening? Why are you making this change? And I think the reality is there's so many similarities to financial services and the power utility industry. People just don't see it until they take a step back and look at it, right? If you look at the power utility industry, it's got a huge regulatory burden, customer satisfaction issues, aging infrastructure, new entrants coming to market to compete with them that they never expected. You've got new technologies coming on board that will either be great enablers or potentially great disruptors. On top of that, then you've even got both customers in a regulatory environment questioning their very business model, right? What does that sound like? That's financial services 15 years ago, right? With the same tension, the same tensions, the same pressures. And then if you look at a lot of the enabling technologies that a lot of venture firms in this space invest in, it has a lot to do with financial services. You'll see insurance for new power sources. You'll see new ways to finance new technologies relative to this space, um, as well as a lot of the enterprise technologies that these companies rely on, whether it's um, cyber te- uh, cybersecurity, IoT, um, all those types of call center operations. It's the same technologies that these companies are relying on. So I'm really excited to take what I've learned in the last 15 or 20 years in one industry and apply it to a new industry and hopefully have that same type of game-changing impact that helps families, communities, and, and industries across the board. This is a beautiful example. Pros never think in industry. They think in the complexity of the problem, the pattern of the problem, and what mm-hmm. needs to be solved. And they find similar structures in different industries and across fields, yep. and they apply it to that. In mm-hmm. my old company, we did benchmarking because there was no numbers about strategy. So nobody had numbers on what is a good strategy mm-hmm. that really works and a bad strategy and how, how you can know it numerically. And, and, and what we found out that was across industries, a good strategy was based around pattern of complexity and mm-hmm. problems solved that you just 
uh, lined up and the numbers were same across industries, yeah. but still people think in industries. Right. It's, I think it's by taking that metrics-based approach by what you learned in others and then apply it, that's when you can really bend the curve on these things and, and make changes. And it's funny you say that because even when I'm talking to these utility companies, I explain to them a lot of the metrics we saw in financial services and the patterns of adoption we saw then that we're seeing now, right? Um, you know, within fintech and financial services, the earliest innovation started with small credit unions. And then it went to regional credit unions and then smaller banks and then regional banks before it got to the massive big bulge bracket banks, before it hit city, Chase, JP Morgan, right? It started with, you know, Bethlehem Credit Union out in, you know, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, right? And then it went to the Coca-Cola uh, Credit Union, right? Bigger things. And that's what we're seeing in the utility space, right? Those same game-changing technologies are, um, that have those ESG implications to the utility industry, they're starting with a small cap utilities because they're nimbler, they have a greater need for innovation, um, they're able to move quicker. They may not have all the resources of the large companies, but that same need for innovation and that innovation strategy that you're talking about is what they're gonna put forward and that's what we're seeing. And then so I'm taking what I learned in other industries and say, this is how you measure strategic value. This is how you measure strategic impact, right? You take both the quantitative and the qualitative and we'll create a scorecard for both impacts and to you, the business sponsor in the utility company, we'll monitor together and then we'll see the impact of these investments and our venture fund has on your organization. And that could be with new customers, it could be access to innovation, it could be entry into new geographies, um, it could be piloting new technologies. We'll just go on and on about what's important to them and then how we'll measure that. But it's the same thing I was measuring in financial services that we're measuring now. What are trends that uh, excite you and that you are watching, being it technological trends or, or social? Yeah, you know, I think the trend I'm watching now, and and I don't think I'm having a great insight of, you've probably seen it too and a lot of other people, but I'm really seeing that focus on ESG. Like it's no longer just about investing to invest or starting a company to make money, create value. It's really about that overall societal impact, both on on all aspects of it, not just the environment, not just on sustainability, but on the social impacts of what it does. And then also having good governance around what you're doing. And so seeing this trend on how, whether it's large corporations that realize it's going to be important to their bottom line, it's going to be important to their community involvement. It's going to be important to their actual values, as well as young entrepreneurs, and then even young professionals, right? If you give a young professional, you probably see this in your, in your strategy practice, like give them a, a consulting engagement or strategy engagement where it's like, okay, we're going to create the next, I don't want to pick on anybody, like the next photo sharing application. Or you say, you know, we're going to focus on a new technology that's going to bring efficient and safe energy to lower mid lower and mid-income families. They're going to pick the one that has those ESG implications. So I see that trend covering not just the utility space, but also the financial services space, as well as the consumer space. Yes, impact, especially social impact, social progress, uh, inclusion and diversity are becoming more and more uh, on the radar. Also, this is something that 15 years ago, we could not measure what is the impact, the social right. impact, the um, environmental impact right. of a company. We couldn't measure that 15 years. We can now, this will change right. things. Right. And, right. and I'm with you, millennials, watch these things much more than other 
yeah. things like um, I don't know compensation or, right. or or do do I get a car with the job? Right, exactly, exactly. And I think you know it's even not just the environment, but it, like you hit on that societal and that diversity impact. Like when you're talking about the energy sector and you're talking about private utilities. Everyone thinks, well, you need to electrify this and electrify that. And it's all about electricity. And we have to get electricity into everyone's home. The reality is this society, the average consumer, the average home cannot afford a power wall or a new EV or to put geothermal in their house. But they can afford renewable natural gas. They can afford natural gas that's safe, that's effective, that leaves no carbon footprint. Like those types of things can matter and do things. And then also you've just got the infrastructure problems that the grid and everything else can't handle all these things. So I think looking at like, yes, there's, you want to be part of the electrification, but the reality is the societal inclusion, whether it's like the, you know, your typical family across the United States and probably across the um, Europe as well, like they just can't afford that. And, and the infrastructure is not there. So how do you create a power source? How do you even create an energy transition plan that's inclusive of everybody and allows everybody to have energy when they need it, have it cost effectively and have it safely? So I think it's really kind of the whole E, the S and the G that's kind of coming together around things. I'm so excited who you pick for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategysprints.com. When everybody zigs, this person is zagging, but from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. Who do mm -hmm. you pick? You know, there's a, a venture fund out there uh, that I've been fond of since since the very beginning in their earliest days. Um, it's the firm called Ribbit Capital. Um, it's Mickey Melka and Nick Shalik. And while everybody in the early days was kind of following trends and like doing very precise portfolio analysis and uh, construction about, oh, you had to just do this much money in this type of deal and do this many deals in order to get the returns. Like these guys, when I see them invest, like if they believed in something, they were going all in. Like they weren't doing like, oh, I can just do 5% of my fund in X, Y, or Z, right? And I'm going to stay away from Bitcoin because I'll just do a little bit. Like they went all in when everyone was saying no, even much sooner, much earlier than I did, right? And then if you play the tape forward, um, they're a big investor in Robinhood and you saw a lot of press and media and fanfare around Robinhood and some people are like, oh, let's leave them. They got like, are they doing the right thing? There's this GameStop thing. You know, River Capital said, no, we believe in what they're doing. We do believe they're democratizing access to investing. And so they plot a billion dollars in according to the press releases, right? Those are the people like within, and I'm speaking more about financial services and venture capital and so they are quintessential check the box perfect portfolio construct that's perfectly like a spreadsheet that makes everyone's limited partners happy like these guys invested with conviction they invested when they thought was right and who they thought was right and it was like everyone's going one way they went the other and from the outside looking in the rewards would indicate or the returns would indicate they're winning so i, I have a lot of respect for what they do and how they do it Definitely going against the grain and beautiful that they go with their heart and it works. Yeah. Thank you. What are three books that um, uh, inspired you most? So the three books that inspired me the most, um, the first would probably be The Master Key System by Charles Hanel. Um, the second would be 
The Science of Being Great by Wallace Waddles. And then the third being the book, The Five Rings uh, by Mayoti Musashi, or I'm sorry, Mayamoto Musashi. Mm. So all very, too similar, one kind of different, um, but you know, those were those, the, you know, the first two books, Master Key System and The Science of Being Great, like really capturing like the fundamental essence of medical metaphysical thinking, um, the power of having your belief, the power in doing what's right, the power of being authentic, um, the power of, you know, giving more than you get in, in the long run and, you know, how that makes a difference. And then the true power of belief and vision. Right. And you work with entrepreneurs, I work with entrepreneurs. If they don't have that power of belief and vision to get through all these times when everyone's telling them no and they're saying yes, like unless you have those two types of things that at least I took from that book, those two books, I don't think you get it. And then, you know, um, I have a background within martial arts. And then so Masashi was one of the original masters of, of the Bushido ways that just focused on like you need to be great and exceptional in anything you do. It doesn't matter what it is whether it's your laundry or martial arts, like do it and do it exceptional and do it with a certain code of honor and ethics to it. So those are the three I kind of, I kind of bring together. So nothing that came out anytime new. I think they're all decades, decades and decades old, uh, not millennials old. So um, those are my favorites. They have the biggest impact on me. Yeah, we, we had a dinner lastly, and then our kids were asking, but what do you do? What do you do? And this friend says, I'm a venture capitalist. And then the kid go, oh, yeah, adventurer. <laughs> <laughs> they got it immediately. <laughs> oh, God, that's great. That's great. That's great. Beautiful. And these were three books that were not, um, not mentioned yet in 300 episodes. Oh, okay. Well, Super we'll see. Cool. <laughs> good. Hopefully. It's some, it's some good stuff. I think your audience would like them. Yeah, tell us, you are just launching this company, mm -hmm. uh, solo-founded, co-founded, how many are you, how do you launch? So I have three founding partners with me. Um, one partner, Rick Vitone, we had co-invested in the past together. Um, so I got to know him over the past couple of years, kind of in the trenches doing deals. Um, he is a historically a fintech investor, but also has a background in the power utility space. Um, he has two really good friends that have been career-long, lifelong investment bankers in the power and utility space. Um, that's Jeff Yingling and then Ray O'Connor. So what's great is you take people that have spent 35, 40 years in the industry, talking to these executives, helping them through their most important kind of bet the farm transactions, be they M&A, be they bond offerings, whatever it may be. Um, and then combined with my background in venture investing, it kind of takes you know, it's like everything else, right? It takes a team and, you know, it takes a village to put these things together. So my investing history and experience with innovation, their experience in the industry, studying it, being dipped into it since day one of their careers. Um, and also they have those relationships in the industry. So that's how it, it kind of comes together um, around that. We have one junior investment professional, Stefano Galeasso, um, who's got um, an MBA from the management side of that from the University of Chicago, but also has an energy uh, engineering degree as well. So bringing that technical side of things. So it's really kind of a, it, it's an interesting, like most people forget like venture capitalists have to like hustle and grind as much as everyone else. Like we are out there trying to raise this fund and we're raising the fund right now. And, and like a lot of people that don't 
sit on both sides of the table think, well, you just, you're a VC, you have money, you just invest it. Well, the issue is you got to get the money first, then you got invested, and then you got to return that five, six X to the people that gave it to you so that you can get more money to do it all over again with your next fund. So, you know, we're in that kind of thick of things where we're out there working towards a first closing. We anticipate to have a first closing of the fund to um, get uh, the majority of the capital kind of under management and then start investing and keep the fundraising process going. So um, that's, that's kind of where we're at. And I think also what we realized too along the way was in addition to us and our team, everyone's different um, temperaments, talents, convictions, and skill set. We also had to have a board of advisors that were around us, strategic advisors uh, behind us as well, that came from the industry, um, that have technical backgrounds, um, that are good kind of civic uh, civic leaders as well. So, you know, we've brought Paul Carroll from the Gas Technology Institute, um, which is really important to our underlying investment themes, Brad Henderson from a local organization here, P33. Um, and we've got, you know, Jan Brins, who's a world-renowned consultant in the space, um, and Bill Rogers, who was a CFO and a COO in a large utility company. And we're just making sure we have as many different perspectives around that table as possible to kind of balance out our perspectives. What will be your the size of your portfolio? Will, will you go with your heart and high risk or more traditional 100 companies and uh, distributing the risk? Now, I mean, we're going to we're going to be a little bit more on the conviction based side of things. So we'll, we will do, you know, probably fewer deals, um, but with a larger dollars. Um, and I, I think it kind of balances out really well with one, how we like to invest and what we believe in, but also balances out really well with um, our limited partner base. And we're raising money from the partner utilities base. So these corporations that provide gas, natural gas, provide electricity, mostly natural gas, the local distribution companies um, will be our limited partners. And what we'll be able to do is show them everything we see. We'll show them the thousands of deals we'll look at. But the ones we are going to invest in, like they will know we think these are the best in the industry and the best for them and have the greatest strategic impact as well as financial impact for them. And so we'll be able to invest with that type of conviction that's there. So it's it's kind of that great balance of being able to invest with conviction and have capital sources that appreciate that conviction and the capital sources as well that are very helpful to us as we analyze these investments, as we analyze the technologies, as we analyze these companies. So between them and our advisory board, um, when we do uh, lay down a bet, it's going to be, it'll be a bigger one with conviction. You know, I would estimate this portfolio maybe will have 10 to 12 companies, you know, mm. the thousands we'll look at. So it'll be pretty concentrated. Um, and then after that, it'll be about getting after it again and go after a second fund. Raise another. Well, the, the good thing of having just 12 is you could supervise them, coach them very closely. Yep. Do you plan to do that or will you have external partners doing that? Um, well, we explain to be, we expect to be extraordinarily active with our portfolio companies, um, take board seats, be active board members, be involved in their business development initiatives, their strategic planning, their recruiting, um, their fundraising capabilities. But like everything else, there'll be a point where our capabilities will stop and we'll have to bring other people in after that. And that could be around strategy that could be around um, accounting it could be around hr and benefits it could be around uh, a bunch of different things but we'll we we tend to be very active investors and very hands-on and um, also supplement where we need to 
Where can people uh, read more about this? Stick around, found you, find you. Um, so I'm pretty active out there on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Um, we're in the process of launching the fund. So our full website and collateral materials aren't up yet, but they will be up in, in the near future. It'll be at energycapitalventures.com. Um, and you know, I'm always out there um, on social media. Super cool. Who should be my next guest? You know, I think um, another interesting investor um, that I've had an opportunity to work with and become friends with over the past, um, a guy named Nick Moran from Newstack Ventures. Um, Nick also was one of the original podcasters in financial services and venture capital. He had the first widely adopted podcast um, called The Full Ratchet, um, which has had everybody from you know, luminaries like Brad Feld down to guys like me that are still figuring it all out on the show. So um, he's he's one of those trailblazers that he's raised his own fund. He's raised on a second fund. He's also leads angel syndicates as well to kind of stay into the flow of things, but also really figured out early on um, that there's a white way to capture uh, content and community around this thing to help build it. So I, I think he'd be, he'd be a great person to have. Super cool. Thank you so much, Vic, for being on the show My pleasure. and sharing your knowledge and your journey with us. Please come back soon. I will. Thank you very much for having me. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.